great to see you at Calvary. You have picked a great day to be here as we continue our series, Playground. We have talked about dodgeball, right? And, and that issue of, of, of the challenges that we face in life. We've, we've talked about uh, what it means to walk in, in, in right understanding and right perspective with God. Well, this morning, as we continue, I want to talk to you on the subject of Mother May I. In my opinion, one of the dumbest games to be played on the playground. There's, there's no sport to it, right? There's no strategy to it. It really all comes down to whether or not the person in charge likes you or not. You know what I learned from Mother May I? This is what I learned. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Hmm. In retrospect, Mother May I, probably more than any other game we played in that, on that playground in our elementary days, it taught us a powerful, dare I say, an axiomatic principle of life. That it's, it's, not, it's not what you know, it's who you know. In fact, l- let me say this, that... Your success in life, the joy factor in your day, the degree to which you appreciate what's going on around you, your ability to accomplish what is in your heart and not just what's in your heart, what God has written on the scroll of His will for you. All of these things are directly impacted, affected, influenced, determined by your connection to and your understanding, your relationship with the authority that God has placed in your life. I want you to turn your Bibles to Romans, the 13th chapter. In Romans, the 13th chapter, the Apostle Paul tells us this, and, and, and through, through God's breathing on his Holy, on, by His Holy Spirit on His Word, it tells us this, starting in verse 1, it says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. I, I want to repeat that because I, I want you to grasp this. I want it to sink deep into the recesses of your heart and your mind. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would use it today to be a lamp to our feet, a light into our path. God, help us to hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. God, we commit these moments to you and we thank you and we praise you for them. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. I want to reiterate what I said just a few moments ago. The degree to which you have an understanding of and a proper connection with authority is going to be a significant determiner in the joy factor in your life the success factor in your life, the health that you experience in relationships, and whether or not you live out the plan that God has for you. And we, we recognize this, right? We recognize that God is a rewarder and that God's plan for us is to prosper us, not to harm us. But it all comes down to how we handle authority, both the authority that God has placed over us 
and the authority that God has given to us. If you think about it, most of the joys that we have in life are a direct result of interaction with authority, whether it be authority that God has placed over us or authority that God has given us. Much of the pain that we experience in life is a direct result of a disconnect with the authority around us or the disconnect of our, the authority that God has placed within us or perhaps somebody else abusing the authority that God has given them. And so having, a, having a, a right understanding, having a healthy understanding of authority is really a big deal. And let us never forget the lesson that we learn with Mother May I, and that is this. It's not what you know so much as it is who you know. So think about this, this idea of authority. There, there are two there are two stories in Scripture that really come to mind that speak to this issue and, and how, we, how, so, how we so easily get trapped with this issue of authority. And, and here's, here's what the trap looks like. Here's what the authority trap looks like. It starts with this idea. I deserve better. We have a story in the New Testament, right? In Luke's Gospel. We're told, we're told in, in, in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 11, uh, we're told of the, of the story, Luke chapter 15 rather, we're told of the story of the prodigal son. All right, the prodigal son, he's, he's living with the father, uh, he's well treated by the father, and yet he has this thought, you know what, I, I deserve better, I deserve better than this. The prodigal son has a, he has, a, he has an equal in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, it's the same situation where a son is living in the household of a father who is gracious, who is loving, who cares, and actually looks to bless his children. The father, his name is King David. The son, his name is Absalom. And both Absalom and the unnamed prodigal son, they both struggle with this thought, you know what, I deserve better than this. I deserve better than, than what the individual who is an authority over me, I deserve better than what they're doing. And it's real easy for I deserve better to then become I know better. Listen, I deserve better, I deserve to live better than what the Father is allowing me to live. In fact, if I could get the inheritance from the Father now, instead of waiting for it, I think I could live a much better life than what the Father has laid out for me. And so, hey, Dad, you know that inheritance? You know, you know that, that which I'm supposed to receive from you when you die? Yeah, can I just have it now? Because I don't just desire better and think I deserve better, I've come to the understanding that I know better, which brings me to the point where I start believing that somehow I am better. This is what led mankind to exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship the created things rather than the Creator who is forever to be praised. It's this issue, it's a, it's a disconnect, it's a misconnect, it's a misunderstanding, it's a misalignment with the issue of authority. And what God wants us to do is He wants us to walk in right authority with Him. I think one of the most powerful of, of all scriptures is, is found in Luke's gospel in the 15th chapter in the story of the prodigal son, where it says this, it says, when he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, 
You know, it's easy to play the role of the individualist. It's really easy to play the role of the rebel. When I was a youth pastor, there was a, this, this teenager that he walked in and he had this jacket on, right? And he had, he had in, 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 in handwritten on the back of the jacket, he had done these symbols and it said this, it said, anarchy rules. And, and I asked him, I said, I said, explain that to me. He goes, yeah, man, like anarchy rules. And I said, well, technically anarchy is no rule. And so if anarchy rules, then something rules and you can't have anarchy. And he's like, whoa. Yeah. I never thought about that. Maybe, maybe the shirt just, maybe the jacket should just say anarchy. I said, oh, there you go. Happy to help. Whether, whether we like it or not, there will always, listen, there will always be rule in your life. And, and how, you, how you respond to this, how you deal with this issue of authority, it's going to be, it's going to be a major determiner. It's absolutely going to be a, a major determiner. See, there's always going to be authority in your life because authority is part of God's plan. That's what it tells us in Romans chapter 13. It says everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. And the authorities that exist have been established by God. God has always had this issue, this this protocol of authority. And understanding that is going to make all the difference in the world. And, And we find this. We find that with the issue of authority and the authority that God places over us, Scripture clearly delineates three areas of authority. Right? We see the issue of, of, of civil authority, right? And, and that's what Romans 13 is directly re- referring to here. It's referring to this issue of civil authority. And God's word says that we are to be mindful of the authority structure that he's placed over us. And it doesn't give allowance of, of whether or not we like the authority figure or don't like the authority figure, whether we agree with the authority's values or disagree with the authority uh, uh, figures of values. That's the reason why, and let me do this. Let me go from preaching to meddling for a moment. That's the reason why I was greatly discouraged when I would hear people who profess to be Christians say things about our former president, Barack Obama, he's not my president. Or to hear people say regarding our current president, Donald Trump, he's not my president. Make no mistake, friends, that every authority structure that you see, according to God's Word, it is established by God. And so we have a responsibility to recognize that authority and not just, uh, not just recognize that authority, but God's Word says we are supposed to honor that authority. This idea of satire and jokes and things of that nature, they have no place in the kingdom of God. Let me say this. If you've got a funny joke about somebody in authority, don't send it to me. Because it has no place in the life of a believer. But what the enemy will do is this. The enemy will, the enemy will, want, it, will want to push that fascination trigger of rebellion in your life. We have seven fascination triggers. There are seven fascination triggers that, 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 that connect with the, human, with, with the human psyche. And one of the biggies is this issue of rebellion. And it's real easy for us to get sucked into these things of rebellion. Look, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to follow my own rules. I'm going to chart my own path. There's a way that seems right to man, but at the end it ends in death the Word of God says. And that scripture is specifically speaking about the rebellious disposition. 
We have to walk in the plan that God has for us. And God has set up this authority structure, civil authority. God has also set up relational authority. We see this, and it's evidenced even, even in the Ten Commandments. When you look at the Ten Commandments, it starts out with, you shall have no other gods before me. And it's talking about this issue of spiritual authority. Okay? And that spiritual authority, friend, that spiritual authority goes from God, okay? and that spiritual authority does, it also, it filters down. In fact, here's what God's Word says about the role that I have. Okay, and, 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 and the connection that we're to have with one another. In Hebrews, the 13th chapter, the 17th verse, it says this. It says that you are to honor those who are in spiritual authority over you, and you're supposed to conduct yourself in such a way and interact with spiritual authority in such a way that it is a joy for me to serve, not a burden, because for, it to be a, for my job to be a burden would be of no benefit to you. And whether we, whether we like it or not, this issue of spiritual authority, it is something that is ordained by God. So we have, we have spiritual authority, and then we have relational authority, right? We, we have, you shall have no other gods before me. Don't make any graven images. Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then here's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to honor our father and our mother, Right? We're supposed to honor our parents. And even within the home, God has established this authority structure. And listen, if we live by God's plan, God's plan works. One of the big issues, one of the big pressure points in the world today, and and this is, quite honestly, this is a hot topic for a pastor to mention, seeing how we're in the days of the Million Woman March, but God's Word talks about this issue of authority, right? And it says says that wives, you are supposed to submit to your husband. Now, now, and then it tells us this. It says, children, you are, to, you are supposed to submit to your parents. This issue of authority works, right? When the man submits to God, right? Wife submits to husband. Children submit to parents. When you have a, when you have a healthy and a godly line of authority, what happens is life works, Right? Because recognize this, Jesus being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be, be grasped, Philippians tells us. But what he did, he took on the role of a servant. And God's word says this, it says men in the position that God has put us, here's, here's the disposition we are supposed to have towards our spouse, that we are supposed to love our wife as much as Christ loved the church. And how much did Christ love the church? He suffered, bled, and died for it. See, Jesus didn't look at you and say, oh, great, serve me. No, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so when we understand and we have a, we have a proper perception of this issue of authority, then what happens is it doesn't confine us, it actually sets us free. Well, pastor, that's fine, and I'm willing to follow the authority that's over me as long as they're doing the right thing. But at the moment they do the wrong thing, peace out, Girl Scout. (laughs) See, that's not what God's Word says. It, It tells us this. It tells us that if the rulers do the right thing, we are to follow them. But if the, do, if, 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 the, if, if the rulers do the wrong thing, it still does not release us from this issue of authority. 
right? Spiritual authority, familial authority, family authority, governmental authority. We have these three elements of authority, and God wants us to walk in, in, in right perspective and right alignment with each one of those areas of authority. And here's what I can promise you. I can promise you that any area that you're walking outside of proper alignment with authority is a stress area in your life. It's a pressure point for you. Why? Because you're out of God's will. You're out of God's will because authority is part of God's plan. And rejecting authority is rejecting God. Well, how can you say that, Pastor? I can say it because that's clearly what it says in, in Romans 13 too. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is a rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Well, I think their rules are stupid. They probably are, right? I think what the government is saying is arbitrary. And so I'm not gonna listen to it. I, listen, let me help you. Here's the amazing thing. God has given you the ability and the opportunity to do so. The, one of the greatest gifts that God has given you is free will. You have the ability to choose. And you can rebel against the authority structures that God has placed in your life. But understand this, that God has made very clear in his word what the consequences are. And so what we have to do is we have to walk in this issue of right relationship, right authority. I think about, I think about the two characters in the Word of God. Old Testament, Absalom. New Testament, prodigal son. The prodigal son and Absalom, both, they start with this idea, I deserve better. I deserve better. I, I know better. I am better. In Luke 15, the, the prodigal son goes to the father and says, Father, I, 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 want, I want out of this whole family thing. I want what's coming to me now. And the father says, okay, and, and gives him gives him his inheritance in advance. And scripture tells us that not long after that, he left to a far off country and there he squandered everything that he had. And just about the point that he squandered everything that he had, a severe famine came on the land. So much so that the prodigal son ends up taking a job where he's taking care of and feeding pigs. In the story of Absalom, Absalom questions his father's role as a parent. He questions his father's position as God's man. And he questions David as king. Absalom first, he first goes astray by deciding that it's his job to bring judgment against his brother Amnon. Absalom is, is David's son. 
Uh, he has a sister, Tamar, who's beautiful. He also has an older half-brother named Amnon. And Amnon falls in love with Tamar and desires her. So much so that he, he, he sets Tamar up and ultimately has his way with her. And, and, and immediately after having his way with her, he decides he doesn't like her anymore and he pushes her out. Absalom, rather than dealing with his father, Absalom decides that he is the one to deal with the, to deal with the matter, to deal with the issue. And what he does is he sets up Amnon for an ambush. And Absalom has his servants kill Amnon. Flees. And in due time, he flees to, 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 uh, to a, a, a far-off country. He flees to an area called Gesher, what is now the Golan Heights. So he goes from Jerusalem to the Golan Heights. Eventually, David... King David brings Absalom back, but because of what Absalom has done, because he's murdered his brother, David does not allow Absalom to come into his presence, which irritates Absalom so much so that he asks one of David's servants, a man by the name of Joab, Joab is the commander of David's army, that he asks Joab, Joab, come to my house and talk to me because we've got to figure out a way to fix this. And Joab won't come. Joab, come to my house and talk to me. We've got to figure out a way to fix this. And Joab won't come. Seriously, Joab, you've got to come talk to me. Joab won't come. Okay. Now, why won't Joab come? Because Joab understands the protocol of authority. Joab doesn't answer to Absalom. He answers to the king. And Joab is an honorable man. He's not going to violate the protocol of authority. Well, until Absalom burns down Joab's barley field, right? Then Joab comes to Absalom's house. He goes, dude, why did you burn down my field? He goes, how come you didn't come talk to me? Joab reconnects Absalom to King David. But that rebellious spirit will always come to the surface. And not too long after that, Absalom is going to the city gates. Okay? And in that day, if you had a problem, if you had an issue, if, if you had a disagreement with someone, you would take your issue, you would take your complaint to the city gate. And the king or a representative of the king would be there to listen to your, to listen to your, your, your issue and, and bring judgment. And what Absalom would do is Absalom would strategically go to places where the king wasn't and say to people, hey, who are you? Hey, friend, where are you from? Yeah, what brings you here today? That's ah, too bad the king's not here. He's too busy for you. But by the way, if I were in charge, if I were in charge, all your things would be taken care of. Not like the king who really doesn't care about you. And then when, when the people would go to bow down, he'd go, no, 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 don't bow down, right? And he'd take him and he would kiss him by the hand and go, no, 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 you don't need to bow down. Scripture tells us this, that he stole the hearts of the people from the king, from his father. And eventually declares himself 
as king. Well, his attempted coup fails. And the fate of Joab, or not Joab, rather, the fate of Absalom. Um, Absalom was a, he was a really attractive, he was a really attractive dude. In fact, Scripture tells us this. It tells us that he was without blemish. And he had this, he had this gorgeous flowing hair uh, that he was actually kind of proud of. Right? He'd wait till he got super long. Like he'd wait till, till, till his hair got so long that he couldn't hold his head up and then he would cut it off. Right? But he loved this big flowing mane of hair. And so in the midst of, this, of the battle because of Absalom's rebellion, right, him doing battle, Absalom's armies doing battle with David's armies, Absalom is riding along on a mule. I don't know why a king would be riding on a mule, but he was riding on a mule, right? And he, and, and he rides underneath this oak tree, and his hair gets caught in the tree. Friends, you can't make this stuff up. All right? So he's hanging, and the mule just keeps going. Okay, this is the reason why. Let me just say this as a side note. It always amazes me when Hollywood would make biblical epics, then they always feel like somehow, for some reason, they've got to twist the story. Let me tell you something. The greatest Hollywood script ever to be written is that Bible you hold in your hand. The stories are incredible. And really, the life of this guy, Joab, if you would study the life of this guy, Joab, it's phenomenal. But anyway, Absalom, long hair, there, caught in the tree, swinging in the tree, right? The mule keeps going. And one of David's soldiers tell Joab, the commander of the army, hey, Absalom's over there swinging in the tree. And he's like, what? So he goes over there, and here's Absalom swinging in the tree, and Joab standing in front of him. I wonder at that point if Absalom said, might not have burnt down this guy's barley field. Because let me tell you what happens. At this moment, Joab takes three javelins and runs them through Absalom's heart. Done. See, there's a way that seems right to man, but it ends in death. Absalom was convinced that he deserved better. He was convinced that he knew better. He was convinced that he was better. God, I understand that you have a plan for my life, but I think I can do it better. I appreciate the fact that there is this, that there, there is this governing system in our world, but I think my way is better. I, I understand that you have put me in this, in, this, in this family situation, but I think that my path is better. Rebellion against authority will always put us in a place where we're operating in curse, not blessing. And we're operating in judgment, not in freedom. I find hope. I find hope in the story of the prodigal son. Right? Because in the prodigal son, he, he comes to his senses. And when he comes to his senses, he thinks, I am an idiot. My father's my father's servants are living better than what I'm living. You know what? 
God's plan was a good plan. Living in my father's household wasn't so bad. The authority that God had put in place, it actually was there not to hold me down, but it was there to to guard me and, and guide me. See, how, how we deal with this issue of authority, it's key. Some of you are here today and, and you carry you carry significant scars because individuals in your life have abused their position of authority. Can I offer this encouragement to you? That doesn't make authority wrong. And don't let the enemy leverage their misuse of authority to keep you from operating within the authority structure that God intends. Some of you are here this morning Because in, in your position of authority, maybe in your job or maybe in your home, that you're demonstrating that authority not in grace, not in love, not in compassion. But you're demonstrating that authority in malice and in rage. and with a self-serving disposition. And Fred, I want you to know this, that God keeps very good records. And this issue of authority, you will be held to a higher standard. Make no mistake, you'll be held to a higher standard. One of the things that I know about the role that God has asked me to play, this role as a pastor, God's word says this. It says that I will have to give an account for your soul. See, the way that I live my life, the way that I connect relationally to you, I I will have to give an answer to that before God. I think one of the One of the biggest lies that the church has bought into in recent years is this idea that the authority that God has given can be used for my personal pleasure or advancement. See, God's given me authority so I can, I can claim that house. God's given me authority so I can claim that luxury car. God's given me authority so I can claim that vacation spot. God's given, make no mistake that in the Word of God, it does talk about this issue of God authority. God authority given to Jesus. Jesus giving authority to the church. You and I being able to walk in a position of spiritual authority over the issues and the affairs of this world. How the church got from understanding our ability to tread on serpents 
and to cast out demons. And take that and translate it into the fact that God wants you to have a new BMW. Something went horribly wrong. And so, yes, we do walk with authority. Because there is this element of spiritual authority. We do walk with authority because God puts us in positions of leadership in our business. And God calls us to walk in authority in our family. But how we respond to the authority around us and how we utilize the authority that is given us it really is one of the key telling aspects of whether or not life works. And you know what? That lesson learned on that elementary school playground was right. When it comes to the issue of authority, it's not so much what you know. It's who you know. The biggest reason why we struggle with authority, it starts with a misperception about God. The the key, the key to walking with a healthy approach to authority it all starts with that vertical relationship having a proper understanding of who God is and having a proper connection with him knowing that God loves us more than anything Knowing that God's plan for us is a plan not to benefit him or to advance him. He doesn't need our help. He spoke the word and the world came into order. But knowing that he created all this for you. And that he loves it when you come to him. Not just in praise and worship and adoration, but he he loves it when you come to him with your requests and your concern that he's never bothered. And his principles are good. When my understanding of God's authority is right, I can even embrace man's authority when it's being used for individual advancement and not for the good of the people. Because I know God as higher authority will work all things together for my good. 
And so I don't have to freak out against human authority. When I'm in right standing with godly authority. In fact, let me go a step further. I think it's impossible. I think it's impossible to be in right relationship with God and have a right posture towards God's authority and be disconnected from civil authority, dare I say church authority, and family authority. I think it's impossible. That, the rebellion against that authority finds its root in a rebellion against God. So it makes sense as we gather together in God's house this morning to to pause and ask the question, God, where are the areas in my life where I'm, where I'm convinced that, that I know better? I, I know better than your word. I know better than your plan. I might not say it, but my attitudes display it and my actions portray it. God, where are the areas in my life where I'm saying I deserve better? I might not say it, but my attitude portrays it and my actions display it. God, where are the areas in my life where I'm saying I am better? I might not say it, but my attitudes display it and my actions portray it. Because I... I'm convinced of this, that God wants us to have a Luke 15 moment. That we come to our senses and realize the rebellion against the Father, the rebellion against His design. And His setup of authority, that it's key. God, I I pray all across this room, I pray that you'd leave none of us unchallenged, unmoved, unchanged. And God, I pray first today for the individual that walked in here this morning and that they're outside of of a connection with you. They live outside of of a covering of your authority. And, and they, they, they've come this morning and, and up to this point in their life, they've either denied your authority, denied your existence, denied, or if you exist, denied your authority, or they've rejected your authority. That God, that you, I thank you that you have brought, you've brought them here this morning, not, not to condemn them, not to judge them, not to crush them, 
but to reveal to them that there's a better way. And God, give them the courageous disposition and the understanding in both heart and mind to submit to your authority and to say, God, I I give my life to your plan and I want you to be in charge of my steps moving forward. I thank you, God, that all across this room this morning that you're giving people the understanding and the emotional and spiritual courage to take that brave step today. And God, I, I thank you that there's, there, there, there's none of us in this room this morning. None of us are exempt from what you're doing here in this moment, how you're challenging us and molding us by your Holy Spirit. God, some of us, we have struggled with governmental authority. And thank you, God, that you've brought us here to change our disposition, to change our understanding, to change our our approach. God, some of us, we've, we've pushed back against family authority. And we rationalize, but it doesn't make it right. God, some of us are here and we've been hurt by individuals in spiritual authority. Or we've just struggled with the issue of spiritual authority. God, we recognize today that you're helping us to understand that does not serve us well. In fact, it it provides an open door for the enemy to, to deceive us, to distract us, ultimately to destroy us. So God, what we want to do today is this, is, is we want to surrender. There's a great old hymn of the church that says this, all to Jesus. I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my precious Savior, I surrender all. That's where the submission to authority starts. It starts with that issue of surrendering to Jesus, surrendering to the plan that God has established through Jesus. And there are a lot of different ways that we could bring our time together to a close. We could come and gather around an altar. We could, we could do all kinds of different things. I think we would be best served by making a declaration to God. God, to, to the authority structures that you have put in place, I yield to your plan. I surrender. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. 
Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.